Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavy hops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. I think just writing the lyrics to that song, it came out of this desperation of our community being shattered during the pandemic. And it's really like old school in that sense, because it is about our community of metal fans that didn't get to see each other for so long and how we always stood up for each other. And that's our anthem and our ode. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. Joining us this week is Andas El Guapo Gustafsson, founding guitarist of Sambikrieg, a thrash metal band based in Gothenburg, Sweden. The band released new studio material for the first time in almost a decade on December 10th, a two-track single that also features live recordings captured at the second Scorched Tundra Festival edition in 2012, which was one of the band's last shows. The tracks incorporate new elements into Sambikrieg's established hybrid of punk, continental thrash, and classic metal. We discuss these musical inspirations using English for the first time in lyrical composition and a wide range of other topics, including gatekeeping in metal, discovering new beverages, and rediscovering classic albums, and a ton more. You can find links to Sambikrieg's music in the episode notes. It's worth noting that there's a tight connection between Scorched Tundra and this band. The vocalist Axel Vidan created the art for the first 10 editions of this festival, and the members have all been very supportive of this podcast from the start. If you find yourself enjoying the Zombie Krieg, be sure to check out our web shop where you can find gatefold double LP editions of Zombie Krieg's performance at Scorched Tundra 2. Let's dive and get heavy. Anas Gustafsson, welcome to Heavy Hops. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I don't want to bury the lead. You've got new Krieg material out. I'm very excited about it. We have a history of uh, doing shows together and uh, friendship. And so I'm just excited to give you a platform to kind of talk about this stuff. And I'm excited for this new sort of sound iteration that you've got going on with these two new tracks. And then you're also sharing three live tracks from the show that you did at the Second Scorch Tundra in 2012. Why this new material? Why now? Like, what's happening that led you all into uh, putting this material out? Well, I think it's interesting because I think when we did not that show that the tracks are from on this EP, but the last show we did with I Hate God in spring 2018, I think. I think at that point we had, so we, we put, that's when we put out that live album. And there was a little bit of press around it and some interviews, et cetera. And everyone was like asking, so does this mean that the band's back together? And, you know, and we kind of like decided after that show, I think, because we wanted to try out, we wanted to do something more than just put out the album. So we did that show, which you, of course, super familiar with. And, and we felt like, oh, it was such, it's such a great show, such a great, like welcoming back to playing live and also as a band and to our town and all of that. And so we kind of felt felt like there and then, yes, we need to keep going. And, the, you know, obviously the record label was there and they were asking us, does this mean you're going to start writing new material? And we we're like, yeah, let's do it. So it kind of started there. 
And since then, we've just been trying to figure out like what's the best way to go about this. How do we get back together as a band? What's the, everyone's got other things going on. We started writing stuff, and uh, we actually got booked last year to do like a some sort of metal cruise thing from Stockholm to Helsinki or something. I don't know exactly all the details, but it was with Swedish band Luke, which obviously in Sweden is a huge band. They invited us to play on that cruise thing. So we're like, shit, we need to, we can't just show up and play again. We need to bring something new. So we actually recorded two tracks that we had been working on to release with that metal cruise thing with them. And then, of course, we all know the story about 2020. Everything was delusionally optimistic during the beginning of the summer. And people were like, no, sure, it's going to be fine. You know, come two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, right? Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And then we just saw like how every cruise got canceled, everything. And then eventually they pushed it. So it was supposed to happen in, I believe it's like March or April this year. And then that never happened. And then they just canceled the whole thing. Cause it's, I, I don't know, you know this better than I do, like how it works with like holding slots and pre-sales of tickets and something that you don't know when it's going to happen. So that, anyway, they canceled it. And we were sitting on these two new songs and we were just like, what do we do? We just release it. Or so finally we decided to like put out an EP. So the new tracks, and then we added three live tracks from the live LP that they're not available for streaming today. So we thought that was a nice thing to add so that people that don't own the actual hard copy of the LP can still listen to some of the tracks. So that's how it came together. And we've just been trying to figure out when is the best way to do this. So we just recently decided, like, let's at least try to get it out before the holidays and give our fans something to like look forward to and some new material. And then kind of like a promise too that, you know, there's more stuff coming. It's a good thing you had those vinyls printed and released when you did, because I wouldn't want to be trying to press anything like that in uh, November of 2021. That's for sure. It's a fun thing to share that experience with people digitally when it is something that previously you could only spin on vinyl. So let's talk about the two new tracks, uh, Svartmacht and Death Metal Forever, which is the first song that you're doing with any English lyrics these songs come out on December 10th. This episode comes out on December 9th. So pretty good timing. So what can people sort of expect when it's fresh on their minds? I think you can expect just like kind of more and but better. <laughs> I would say it's like, it's just like what we've always done. But this time we had some, we had more time to focus obviously and i feel like there's also like this new energy in the band now since we have been away for so long and we have you know two members that haven't played on any record before so you know manaflut who's our drummer and um, probably better known through war effect and uh, the success that they've been having at least in europe and then we have martin mayman who is the guitarist and they've both been uh, with us for a while but they haven't actually recorded anything as zombie creep members so i think just having that added into the mix and their energy and their kind of like drive i think it's really cool and I, I i think it comes across i feel like it's like zombie krieg on steroids in a way 
but it's it's still very familiar. You know, it's thrash, death, punk, all mixed together. So I, I think people are going are gonna to love that. We fucking love these tracks. So we're excited to finally get them out. <laughs> There's a little bit of a different sort of musical direction that you hear on Svart Macht, for example. The verse has very much sort of a death metal feel to it with blast beats. Although maybe maybe death metal isn't the best. Those aren't quite like death metal blasts, but it's definitely different from your traditional sort of like galloping verses that you hear in death metal forever and that you would be familiar with in Zombie Krieg's catalog. There's some other sorts of like musical inspirations that come into these songs, it sounds like. Can you speak to that in the context of the compositions? I mean, of course, since we have two guitars now and the songs are written for two guitars, that adds a whole nother level of like possibilities, I would say, to really craft the songs a little bit more intentional and add some interesting layers. We haven't overdone that in any way, shape or form. I think that Martin Mayman, who was mainly the composer of the music for both these tracks, I mean, we it was a collaboration. Everyone pitched in, but he had the riffs, so to speak. I think like just being able to work like that and add on the things that we felt were right for the song and not necessarily thinking about like how we're going to do this live with just one guitar. I think that's added some uh, exciting new kind of flavors into the mix. To us, it's still like very much Zombie Creek though. It's like, it's not like we got some new crazy sound. I think people will feel like it's the same type of songs. We, we're still very much driven by vocals and, you know, how we phrase things and, and all of that. But I mean, it definitely is, like I said, I think, I feel like it's, it's Zombie Creek on steroids in a way. And like the black metal part or whatever you want to call it, death metal part in Svartmacht is really cool. And it's something that we could add here and still have a rhythm guitar in the background. And and then obviously having a phenomenal drummer like Mana, where you just want to be like, how fast can you do it? How can you play faster? <laughs> like, like, like do blast beats here. And then he does it. And it's just like amazing. It just It's just like a bigger toolbox for us, I think, right now to just have a little bit more fun and not be restricted by things that we might have been more restricted uh, by in the past. Yeah, definitely. It is fun to, especially when you think about your last album coming out in 2012, and now we're better part of 10 years ahead of that. So a lot has changed and you've also released like solo material in between. So there's a lot of tools that you may have picked up in that time frame that are worth implementing into Zombie Krieg when there's been this kind of gap in material. For sure. And I mean, we've all like grown as musicians. I think like I'm a way better guitar player than I used to be. Martin Mayman is an amazing guitar player. Uh, and like I said, Manu is like the drummer. He's, he's, he's bringing this youthful, crazy energy. So I think all of those things combined, it's really a step up from where we've been before. Again, without making it too technical or too crazy. And sometimes we actually now like working on new material, working on new riffs, we scale it back because we're like, yeah, that's cool. We know how to play that now and we can play this fast or we can do that thing. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will fit the Zombie Creek song <laughs> that we're mindful of and always thinking about. And I think Martin Mayman especially has done a great job of just like understanding how, you know, the way that we write songs and the way we write, like, if there's a melodic part, the way it is kind of more in a melancholic way, melodic versus, you know, something that's not that, you know, like finding the right tone of voice or tone of tone of the music overall. I think he's done a great job. I don't want people to think that this is completely different or crazy in any way, shape or form, but I'm really happy how it's evolved. And it is a little bit harder, a little bit more technical, but it's still the same band. Having been fortunate to have seen the band a couple times and even host shows for the band, something that I found really resonated with people live were the anthemic choruses too. And that's definitely something that a listener is going to hear in death metal forever, too. So it was important to keep all of the hallmarks in some respect. I guess that's like the takeaway that I get of a listener is that all of the hallmarks that make you think of this band are in these songs. So they're like pretty concise in being able to communicate all of the things that are very important about what you remember from Zombie Creek, but also at the same time, there's these new axes and tools that you're using to fucking like bludgeon people with. So it's pretty great. No, thank you. Appreciate it. And it's funny. I mean, death metal forever. That's like, that's going to be our new anthem for sure. I think like people are really gonna love hearing that live and singing along in the chorus and like, it's it's like our fear of the dark or something, you know? <laughs> uh, or I don't know, maybe people will hate it and be like, oh, they were cool up until they wrote that song. But I feel like it's it stays true to our sound. And I think also like just writing the lyrics to that song, it came out of this desperation of our community being shattered during the pandemic. And it's really like old school in that sense because it is about the death metal or... Not death metal. I mean, we're technically more thrash, I guess. But, you know, it's 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 our community of like metal fans that didn't get to see each other for so long and how we always stood up for each other. And like, that's our anthem and our ode, which I, I think will resonate with people coming out of this fucking <laughs> bullshit apocalypse. <laughs> that's interesting because I think that when people hear sort of like anthemic thrash songs or like power metal songs, what really touches people is when the crux of that anthemic phrase is really tied into these sort of like universalistic thoughts of like what metal is and what the traditional set is in some way. And so it's all count. It's an interesting sort of, I wouldn't call it like a formula and I don't want you to interpret it with like a negative connotation, but I mean, it's something that is a part of the toolbox that lyricists use to create something bigger is you're evoking some kind of like community. For English speakers that may not be super familiar with or unable to read the lyrics, is that something that you've done on past albums as well? I think that there's a couple of different factors here. I think we've always been flirting with English phrases and lyrics here and there, like fuck or whatever. Like we've thrown words in that are like swinglish to like keep it real, I guess. 
because that's where like the Swedish language is heading. As you know, I've lived in the States for, you know, what is it now? Almost 12 years. But every time I watch or read Swedish news, I'm surprised by how many like words they're borrowing in pop culture from English language these days to describe things or make Swedish versions of English words. So I think we're just trying to like be more in the now and keep up with that. The words that are real and i think in this case it's like the verses are all in swedish and the chorus is in english but it just felt like the right juxtaposition of those two things like this is our anthem and even if you can't sing along in the verse you could fucking sing along in the chorus because it's the it's the glow like death metal forever it's like the global chorus <laughs> that everyone can raise the glass and be like singing along with and then you know the lyrics in general in that song i mean it's all about the brotherhood of, of metal without getting too man of war <laughs> you know it's like brothers and sisters and come sh share this blood with us come and drink it come and fight it's very like but it's done with our kind of through the lens of our like swedish 80s punk lyric <laughs> lyricism so i don't know i feel i like i feel like that track is pretty badass i, I look forward to be playing that live for sure and I think that the sort of melodic sensibilities that you carry through resonate interestingly with that lyrical message too. It's where power metal and thrash metal really overlap. And then it's just a matter of does the vocalist sing or not really being the differentiator in terms of what little genre box you actually want to throw it into. Yeah, and the genre box is interesting, too, because it's like, you know, part of our, like, our DNA is basically three things, right? It's like old school Metallica Slayer creator thrash metal with new school kind of at the gates screaming. And then these, like, really kind of, yeah, like I said, like crust punk 80s Swedish more towards like societal things like bashing you know the collective hive mind and religion and whatnot but i think those three things it kind of allows us to be a little bit of everything and and welcome everyone and that's something that i started seeing at our earliest shows like they were like punk rock like proper fucking punk kids with mohawks and shit and they were like people our age who clearly had, they need to cut their hair and whatnot, but they were just thrashing out and so excited about the old school Metallica sound. And then you have these metal kids who are like super into like, I don't know, at the gates or whatever it is, come together. It's even funny with, when the anthem is like death metal forever. We never really been death metal, but people who don't know the genres that well, they would probably just say, yeah, it's like, death metal or black metal or something. And I think that's kind of nice, you know, like bridging all these genres and, and making people like don't care as much about if it's pure this or pure that, you know? 
Because I think that the thing that makes this band interesting is that overlap of punk and thrash and the other little dabblings within power metal and now a little bit of a wider palette. It has elements of what people want to associate with traditional genres of music. And I think in Europe and in Scandinavia, you find a level of adherence to that type to boundaries. Like people find boundaries to be very useful in Europe and metal I find sometimes. It's fun to see bands that borrow some of those in some respects, but where you can go to a show and actually see that people get it. They get what you guys are trying to do and they got it pretty quickly from your time. Yeah, and I, I think that's the beauty of this whole thing. You know, like it sounds like a cliche, but like we, it's not just the band. You know, it's not, we're not just Zombie Creek. There's so many people that are Zombie Creek. You know, and it's like Metallica always been saying, like, you're Metallica, we're Metallica, we're one family. And you're like, yeah, whatever. But I don't have fucking two hundred million dollars, James. But it, it's really true. It is like it, it means something when you find the people who are like minded and get it. And you you just want to hang out and do this thing together. And, and that's the strength of it, I feel today. Definitely. And then, and then also it's like, I, I don't know, maybe it's like, I, I never felt personally that it was a big deal with different genres. I've been listening to everything from Iron Maiden or Halloween to Entombed and Behemoth and then Kill Switch Engaged and Lamb of God. And I remember, I think our bass player uploaded like some early video of us rehearsing on YouTube. And there was some, some American, uh, I assume it might be a British, but it was an English speaker. I think, no, he was American because he said, oh, that's great. I love this and this and that and that, but I wouldn't recommend wearing a Lamb of God t-shirt playing thrash metal in the US or something like that. And I'm like, what? Who cares? Like, it's all metal. We're all the same fucking weird outcasts and we have drawn to this thing and I think we should respect each other regardless you know, and I feel like there are certain parts of the world where that is more common and just accepted. And, and there are certain parts of the world where it's like very genre specific. And maybe it's like changing. I hope so. But, you know, like South America seems like so open to anything, for instance, you know, like in flames open for fucking deep purple in South America, you know, and it's like, how can those two bands be on the same bill? But down there, it's just a celebration. Oh, I love this band. I love that band too. You know, and it's like heavy metal and it's like all good. And like, if we can be a force for that in like our little corner of the world or anywhere in the world, I'm super stoked, you know? Based on kind of what we were just talking about, it came to mind that, you know, there may be sort of an issue with inclusiveness when it comes to metal as we sort of see it, even within ourselves as metal people, because you were mentioning like boxes that people put themselves into. But I imagine like if I weren't into this genre and I saw people like fucking gathering around a funeral pyre, basically listening to this stuff, I wouldn't feel so inclined to want to explore it. Do you think that in some respects, metal music has some issues with inclusivity? I hope not. I don't think so. I mean, I, I just kind of, I never experienced it. I mean, I experienced it back in the days when like maybe like there was like thrash is lame, death is cool or black metal versus death metal. Cause you know, I grew up, <laughs> I was, I was in the prime age of like 
you know, early teens when all that shit went down with the death threats, the Norwegian bands were like banning the Swedish bands and all that. But I, I like to believe that it's like grown and that people are more like open-minded. And I, I don't know if there was a resurgence when, when sort of like the uh, more melodic, but still sort of deathy metal came back when all well, like Trivium and Mastodon and uh, Shadows Fall and Killswitch and all those bands started like blowing up. It felt like there was a new scene and it was based off an old scene, but and maybe it was a little bit like, uh, you can't listen to this and that, but I don't really know. I, I, I like to believe that the metal community, one, is super diverse and two, very welcoming to like any type of metal, whether, whether you're into Iron Maiden or, you know, Mayhem, it, we're all kind of like the same type of outcast or faulty in some way, shape or form. I don't know. I like to believe that it's changed and we're more diverse and inclusive. And I think, I, and I think like the big festivals that are still like ignoring the pandemic, uh, still thriving. I think that's like proof of that. I think that those festivals can like gather 50,000, 100,000 people sometimes to, you know, see everything from uh, testament to Halloween to fucking scorpions. I don't know. Like, I think there's it, there is a sense of community, but I also think I'm the wrong guy to ask this question because I I live in my own little bubble, and I think we all we all should get along and share the love. But who knows? There might be some hardcore black metal fans that are like, yeah, but that's not black enough, <laughs> or whatever. I think that there's definitely communities out there that are into all different types of music and art that want to gatekeep and that want to keep things to themselves because they have trouble sharing with others and they don't want other people to be a part of their club, basically. The problem is that so long as that music that they are gatekeeping isn't like promoting violence or fucked up shit that's going to harm other people, they're doing a disservice to those artists in some sense because they're not really helping the longevity of that music by actively not sharing it in some way. Because ultimately, people create music over a long term, not just because they like the act of making music. I mean, you obviously do because you've gotten together with this group of people nine years later from your last album and put out a new single and have some intentions of doing more stuff. But there's always the fact that you got a response out of people and you saw more people at the next show than the last one. And if that number is static, like unless you're the kind of person that loves living under a rock that there's more people of the opinion that they want to see things grow in some way that's actually hurtful for music in a lot of ways to gatekeep i'm torn because i i feel like i want our fans to feel like this is their shit and like it's our secret little society and i love that and i feel like that's it's, it, it, you know, we made some sacrifices early on where we were actually offered much bigger deals in terms of promotion and management and, and distribution and all of that. But then we would have had to change our sound to be a little bit more commercial. And we said, no, fuck, no, no, this is it. It's like it's old school thrash. 
but it's like screaming. It's like, it, you know, it has to, it, it needs that edge. And I feel like that spirit lives on in the people who get it. And if they want to keep it their own little club, I love that, you know, but at the same time, you know, to your point, we want to touch as many people as possible. And it's also like, we're still like within the metal community. It's not like we're turning into fucking Taylor Swift or anything. Like even in the US, a lot of people in general don't know shit. Uh, maybe like exception being Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, you know, maybe Megadeth, you know. Oh, yeah. I heard that name. Oh, yeah. Cool. Metal, you know, no one knows. So it's like it's not like we're you know, top of the pops or whatever it's called in the UK, if that's still around. But, you know, it's not like, it, it, it's not commercial success in any way, shape or form, really. But we would love to have, you know, it's just like you play a show. We used to play, I don't know, 300 people venues and we would sell out and it was great. And it was our crew and it was our family and we would do our thing, our community and then, you know, we went back and played that show in 2018. And it was like, a, I don't know, 800 people venue or something. And the response was amazing. We were like, holy shit, all these people showed up to watch our uh, band come back and play a show. That is something amazing and great. And like, I don't know, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but, you know, it taps into the whole idea of, immigration and like coming together adding more people adding the right people you know and uh i i i i guess it also has to do with age a little bit like you grow older and you realize that uh no we should just try to make music and put it out there and whoever loves it will love it and try to reach as many people as possible and if they don't love it or if they hate it that's fine but at least get the chance to like reach people and, and show them something. Because if they do love it, you're like, yeah, it's great. Right. And they're like, fuck, it's awesome. I love this. How can I get more? And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'll try to write songs faster. So like growing exponentially is what keeps the band alive. You know, it's the reason why, you know, if we had gone back in 2018 and played that show and it was like 200 people, or like, I don't know, 50 people or something. It would be like, okay, we're not really feeling it. There's some people who love it, but we can't afford to just play for them. <laughs> but now it's like, oh shit, people want more. Let's give them more. <laughs> You're listening to Heavy Hops. We'll have more from El Guapo in a minute. There are a few things happening in the world of Heavy Hops and Scorch Chandra that I want to share. You can find tickets to Scorch Chandra Presents shows, at scorchchandra.com slash tickets. Be sure you're in Chicago on Labor Day weekend 2022 to experience the next Scorch Tundra Festival. We've also created a crowdfunding source for all things Heavy Hops and Scorch Tundra. If you love what we do and want to support us, find the donate link in the episode notes and give what you'd like. Giving any amount will grant you access to our Discord community and an opportunity to contribute to making this show and Scorch Tundra content the best it can be. Please also consider sharing this episode with the nerds in your life, rating us, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us. Thanks for this moment, and back to our conversation with El Guapo. 
there hadn't really been any live activity between 2012 and 2018. So there was a lot of time for new people to join that family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, like, obviously me living in the US, I, I can't just be there any weekend and, and do a show. But every time I go back and we play a show, I'm, I'm literally blown away by the passion and the, to the extent of people can travel to see us. It's like, and, and it, it manifests because the people who travel the furthest to see us are the ones who are sticking around to actually try to talk to you and see you. And, you know, I meet those people more frequently than other locals, so to speak. And the people who have, you know, like four guys got in a car in like Småland in Sweden, which is in the southeast of Sweden, drove four hours to get to this show. And some people went on a train from Stockholm down to Gothenburg. Some people trying to see us. And it's like, that's the thing that, that keeps us going. Because like they, they really, like their love and passion for this music and, and what we're doing is like, okay, well, we have to fucking step up and give these people some more of this shit. We love it too. But they love it sometimes even more. And if that wasn't the case, I think it would be harder for us to just feel like like we wanted to keep going and wanted to write new material. And, you know, and it, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just been a, a, be a beautiful thing, you know, for all of us, you know. So you've lived in California since 2011, I think, right? 2010. The first album was recorded in Sweden. The second album, members came to the US and you tracked and looked like had a fucking hell of a week in the Bay Area recording that one. What is next in terms of creating more material and where is it going to happen? Who do you want to work with? So I have to, again, give credit to our new... Uh, new? He's not new. He's been in a band forever. We just haven't, like, <laughs> recorded an album together. To me, like, Martin Mayman, who's the, the guitarist, who always, obviously did a bunch of the shows when I couldn't, like, just fly over to Sweden and do weekend shows. He's been really, like, the driving force behind making this happen. We've spent, like, over a year now trying to figure out how to do this uh, the best way. But we're like actively writing songs right now, like crazy. And he's like bombarding me with riffs. I'm like coming up with shit. I'm bombarding him back. It's frustrating because, you know, we actually have our own rehearsal space now in Gothenburg. So we do, they do have a place there to go and like bash shit out and record demos. And I, I'm over here and I'm like, working with riffs and material to like write like put songs together and structure things and you know send them riffs or whatever but it's it's really uh frustrating for me not to be able to be there but at the same time i'm looking at all these other bands that i've met throughout the years who've been doing this for a while even pre-pandemic like no we don't get together we just share a dropbox you know so it shouldn't be that difficult for us. Uh, it's just a process we're not used to. But I mean, in terms of 
writing the new album it's like we got so much fucking great new material it's like insane and partly probably because we've been away from it for so long and we have all this stuff that like been sitting around playing here whenever like now and then for the past nine years and uh we got a lot to choose from and i think it's more a process of structuring and sharing the right way and um getting stuff recorded on like basic demos like just your iphone whatever so that we can patch songs together and then our plan is basically to get as much done as possible uh sort of like long distance and then i will make the time to come back to sweden and we'll record proper demos or go or do like proper pre-production we haven't really figured out how we want to do it yet and then uh we already have you know a great deal to like record and we're just looking for the right person to help us out conversation is obviously maybe not podcast material right now but it's like we're talking to a lot of different people all over sweden and we're just trying to find the right person who like gets it you know who's like oh i know what you've been doing i know what you want to do i'm i'm gonna help you make this amazing and that can I mean, we, we're not in a hurry we want to get our we want to get a new album out but we also don't have a deadline like our second album was very much like we need to get a new album out okay oh shit i'll fly you over to san francisco let's do this we got two weeks <laughs> you know uh, and uh, we already had material and, and everything figured out obviously but we do we we have the luxury of time now to really figure things out it's a balance we want to enjoy that luxury but we also want to keep the momentum going so i do think that sometime next year we will lock in on a studio and a producer and get this shit done cool well lots to look forward to let's use a little bit of time to talk about beer i know that you were excited to talk about beer today i know that you've been sipping on some pliny the elder while we've been talking which i'm very jealous of i think one of the last times we got together in la we went to a bar and i was able to enjoy some pliny and obviously we can't have that here in chicago for people that don't know it the west coast ipa and that's a style i like a lot personally so i'm very jealous that you can just walk down the street and buy it and we have good examples of it here but there's like nothing better than drinking a half liter glass bottle of it at the same time too why did you choose to have that beer and when did you kind of get into beer because i think that's a somewhat new thing for you craft beer outside of the banquet oh yeah craft beer for sure not beer <laughs> hello <laughs> have you never heard of folk earl <laughs> so yeah no it's interesting because my sister-in-law is actually a brewer in sweden can't remember the name of the brewery right now she worked for a place in stockholm called omnipolos hat omnipolos hat <laughs> and you know so hanging out with my brother and his wife obviously uh I, I, you know, got bombarded with craft beer 
talk and the beer itself. When they came to visit us in, can't remember if that was in San Francisco or LA, but uh, we've been moving around a bit, my wife and I. But they uh, like she actually like made appointments with people to like go and get specific beers from people. Uh, it was like crazy, and I'm like, well, okay. I don't know. I, I've, I've always been like just super basic as a, you know, in general, but when it gets to alcohol and beer, I've been like, yeah, of course, light, you know, that's all good. Uh, but I tried this. I can't remember when I first tried it, but I was like, oh my God, this is the shit. And people, not just my sister-in-law, but other people back home are really into craft beer. Like, oh my God, Pliny the Elder is so great. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I've enjoyed it up in, I guess it's from north of San Francisco, Russian River. I was up in in, in uh, Sebastopol doing something and they had it there. And I'm like, oh, I know this craft beer. And I drank that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And wherever I've seen it in the Bay Area, I try to pick, you know, a couple of them up. And I actually think there are, there's like one bar on Hate Street in San Francisco, right next to Miba Music that has it on draft and now there's like my favorite bar in san francisco the 500 club in the mission also has it on draft now and i'm like oh that's so cool we moved it into this house uh earlier this summer and we happen to have this like very like local community marketplace just on the corner here like one block up and first time I went there, I like first couldn't believe the like craft beer selection. And then I saw they had Pliny and I'm like, oh, I think this is super rare. And I just grabbed like as many as I could. I just love this beer. And I, I think for me, it's been kind of like the gateway beer between Coors Light and the, the heavier stuff that you guys enjoy so much. Because I've had a hard time getting into... What, what is for me, at least, you know, like more uh, heavier. I don't, I don't know the vocabulary for craft beer, but, you know, like uh, this like little something or whatever they're called. Like there's some beers here in the Bay Area that former colleagues or friends used to drink. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is really strong and harsh. And, you know, for the, this one for me is like it's the perfect gateway beer into into craft beer. So I just stuck with it. And it's funny because I, I was standing like grabbing a bunch of them from the beer fridge at, at our store. And there was a guy who worked at the store who was like refilling some other craft beer. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to bogart all the Pliny, but I, I really want this beer. And he's like, dude, I got like, I got boxes of it or like whatever they come in trays or whatever. I got boxes of it back in the back. Don't worry, grab as many as you want. And I'm like, I don't know if that's cool. Like, I don't know how rare it is anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I'm just an idiot. And this, you can get this beer anywhere, but I just like it. <laughs> hey, well, knowing what you like is very important. One of the reasons why you came to the US was you came for an advertising gig. The profession that you work in is in that realm. Do you think that the designs of these beers and the flavors, like, is it all compelling? Like, what do you see as someone who's actually like new to the segment, you could say, but is a very experienced in the advertising industry? Do they get it right? Well, I, I could say this. I, I, there's definitely a, like the, the people are making the beers are definitely more conscious of trying to like 
create an appealing design now compared to whatever, five, 10 years ago. And there's so much from anything from minimalistic, like Pilsner, it always says on the can, you know, to more intricate things that I, I assume have been around forever and you should know the brands. And it's like, it's not necessarily like designed to catch your, I mean, just by the sheer amount of craft beer that's available at my community market, I mean, there's definitely a demand for it now that a lot of brewers or wherever they come from originally have tried to like make, to create something of a visual identity that will attract you and you want to try. To me, it's kind of like wine. You know, I always used to buy wine just based on the cool labels. And sometimes it was a total shit show and sometimes you found something great. And uh, it feels like that's what's happening. It keeps happening in wine because wine is doing the same thing. They're trying to create more youthful things with skulls on it or whatever. But you can really see it in like craft beer. Like I posted something on social like a while back where I'm like, oh, my God, like going for beer is like finding new bands and, you know, at your record store. It's like all these great names like Geister Punk or like. And, you know, like they have all these new kind of interesting, like, I, I guess that's all marketing, but I, I think it's, it's, it's smart. It's cool. It's uh, if it helps, I don't know what the thing is. Maybe like you're already like craft beer is like your zombie Creek. Like you're like, I don't want it to blow up. I don't want it to be this popular. <laughs> but- I want people to find it and enjoy it. And I don't want to really, I mean, like I have a podcast, obviously I want people to find it, you know, <laughs> like everything, there are people that gatekeep. The thing is, is like with consumer packaged goods, it's really hard to gatekeep because it's going to end up on a shelf somewhere and someone's going to see it. The only problem is going to be if a bunch of people see it and it doesn't look good. So it doesn't even move off the shelf or it looks good. People pick it up and they have a bad consumer experience experience with it so they don't pick it up again. So a product can gatekeep itself in a certain extent too is what I'm saying. Just like music, you know, it it doesn't matter how hype the zombie creed would ever be. If if you pick up if you listen to it online or if you pick up a record and you don't fucking like it, then that's that. And that's fine. You know, it's just like making sure that you find your people, you know, and Everyone should be able to be exposed to it, at least. And then if you don't like it, you can go back to Coors Light any day. You know, you can go back to Opeth or whatever is your thing any day. We don't care. There is value for people to explore and try things new. And it's maybe easier for some than others, but sometimes risking a little bit of money to find out that you like something new altogether can be a really, really valuable thing. Unfortunately, you can't download a beer. So it's very hard to have that very like low risk thing that you can with music nowadays. That just tells me that I need to get into the beer industry because... If you can't just get it for free, then you probably have something going for you 
if you want to live off of it. It'll be you and 7,000 craft breweries in the U.S. now. I was drinking a beer from Schlenkerla, who listeners will know we've had the sixth generation brewmaster on our show in the past. And that's sort of not the style of beer because you and I have drank lagers in the past, but in particular beer that uses smoked malt was something that I admittedly had a little bit of a tough time drinking. I didn't want to drink something that tasted like campfire in the case of like, I remember my first like barrel aged beer drinking that in 2008. I was like, this shit tastes like whiskey. I don't fucking like it. You know, Bourbon County in 2008, like it's beer. I don't want it to have this flavor. Once I kind of like got through the shock and tried those things again later when I had experienced more of life, experienced more flavors and had kind of a little more life in the rear view mirror, I found that I really began to enjoy those things and appreciate them in a different way because sometimes it's very circumstantial how you can feel about these things. It's so interesting because everything you just said could be said about music. It's like I've gone down this path where I've had this insane, not FOMO, but like just fear of missing out on old stuff that I didn't get when I was younger. And I've started listening to so much music that I was never into before. And people might have said that it was amazing, but I'm like, yeah, you don't know shit. This is creator. But now I'm like, yeah, I should really listen to this because this is fucking awesome. And there's a reason for why people have told me that in the past, you know? This one, I think, by the way, is great. The Delirium uh, Tremens. Yeah. Is this what you said was like a little bit more like smoky something? I was referring to the beer that I had. The beer that you're drinking is like a Belgian blonde strong beer. One of my favorite drinking moments with a parent was with my mother. We were out having burgers in a Chicago establishment. And it's a place that plays heavy metal music. And she found that same exact beer, the Delirium Tremens. And we were listening to Electric Wizard at ear blistering volume. And that's not what my mother listens to normally. And beer is not something she normally listens to. But she still talks about that beer and that music and that experience very fondly. I think that it's kind of interesting that the circumstances can really dictate your experience quite a bit and can get you a little out of your comfort zone. But that can be a really, really positive thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I didn't realize because it doesn't taste like it's 8.5% or whatever it is. This is some dangerous stuff I'm playing with here. I'm also getting to the point in life where I think you try to not drink as much. And what you do drink is all of a sudden so much more important. Like you don't just like, oh, I need beer. And then you go for the course light and you have like six or eight or 10 of them. But you just want to enjoy getting a little bit of intoxicated, but really enjoying the moment and making sure that it tastes good. I feel like I'm uh, obviously I'm uh, new to this, but I'm happy because I have so much to explore and like taste. 
it's fun to feel as though you've opened up like a whole new world once you have gone through all of that. So you've been through that with like heavy music where you've explored so many different genres over your lifetime and you understand now like how you can navigate not just like the subgenres of that music, but you are equipped with like navigational tools basically for that experience. So now when you open up like this whole new literally can in this case of beverage and a world of stuff to experience, now you're like, oh, whoa, this isn't just like surprise after surprise. But now like I have these tools with which I can sort of go on this journey and having those sorts of tools, it like creates to me like a new sort of layer of romanticism about the process. Because like when you were first getting into heavy music, I'm assuming it was similar to me where everything was super cool. And like the next thing was greater than the last like umpteen times. Right. And it gets old at a certain point too. So like you go through these like ups and downs where like you love this thing and then you don't love it. But when you find like something new and in your life of sort of like cataloged experiences of finding something and going through all that, when you know that all of that may be ahead of you, but you're prepared for it, I think it's actually like a, a really fun thing. Yeah, I I, I I totally agree. I mean, I, I it, it's it's like one of the few like benefits of growing older too right like you actually you look at it a bit differently and you have your own experience to weigh against it and you're you're a little bit more like intentional about your choices hopefully and yeah i it's like you're confident enough to know i know what i like i know what i don't like and and just because everyone says the little something beer or whatever it's called is like that's the best or the there's another one here in the bay area called racer five or something just for chicago listeners that brewery i'm sorry to interrupt you but that brewery just re-entered the chicago market and if you find racer five that was actually like one of the first west coast ipas that one of my siblings brought to me before that stuff was available in chicago i really enjoyed it but they are like a super well-known entity in california yeah but i don't like it you know and that's like the that's the thing like i had that one like everyone seemed to enjoy it and i'm like i don't care if this is the coolest beer and people seem to enjoy it i don't like this beer like you know <laughs> you know so I, I i and i think you know like that that's that that's my whole point like yeah you have that self-confidence in this like journey to like actually find the things you like within uh within like the discovery of new exciting things and it's all it also helps obviously have people like you or my sister-in-law or some other people uh both here and back home in sweden where they they know a lot about this stuff and you have these curators that can like point you in the right direction and if i say things like this like oh i love plenty the elder i love delirium tremens but i hate racer five then you you could probably be like, oh, well, you should try this one, this Kulsh or this Pilsner or this white ale or whatever it is. And, you know, that that makes it just like more fun. And I, I you know, I, I think people have been saying this for a long time now, but it, it truly is like the new wine where like 
there are some people that know fucking everything about how it's made, where it's from, why it's great, blah, blah, blah. And then there's some people who just want to enjoy some wine for dinner, or in this case, you know, a craft beer. And we're like, okay, tell me why, why, why do you think I should try this? And, and when you find someone who's like, you should try this one and you do it and it's great. You're like, oh my God, this is so awesome. There is some method to the madness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Discovery is one of the fun things that happens in our lives. And so it's always good to keep yourself open to it. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think again, you know, the same thing applies to music and it's like, I'm not telling people to like listen to like pop hits or whatever, but that record your dad recommended when you were like, ah, screw that. I'm listening to Iron Maiden, you know, like pick that record up now when you're older and listen to it and like find the things that are amazing. That's that's sort of like a process that I probably started like three, four years ago. And now I'm really into it. Like, oh, I need to listen to this, you know, Leonard Skinner record or this, you know, Prince Purple Rain or whatever, you know, it's like there it's 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 one of those like fun moments where you can actually try to find something new and something old and it's been in front of you the whole time. And I, I thoroughly enjoy that process. You know, we've covered a lot of ground here and it's been a fun conversation. Do you want to close with any thoughts for listeners? No, I, I, I don't know. I think it's like, I'm, I'm, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this, this, this has been really awesome. I think for like, <clears throat> I, I guess your listener base is mostly American, you know, and if they're not familiar with the band, it's, you know, it's a Swedish thrash metal, death metal band and, you know, Zombie Krieg and we're available everywhere. Uh, look it up. I mean, the language barrier shouldn't be too crazy considering you don't really hear what he's singing anyway. Yeah. And, and, and for people who know the band, I would just say like, we are working as hard, as fast as we can to give you some more fucking rad metal and, uh, Hopefully next year we'll have something locked in and we can put out our next uh, full-length album. But yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. This has been been really awesome. And I'm, I'm super stoked that I'm, tr I'm actually looking into trying to get back to Sweden for the holidays right now because of the pandemic, like everything's crazy and flights are super expensive and it's, it's, it's kind of like off the hook, but hopefully I'll be able to get back and maybe when I'm back, I'll, we can do something. I don't know. We can't, I probably can't do, a sh we can't do a show, I'm sure, but maybe like we can meet up at some bar 2112 or something and listen to the EP and have some fans come by and drink and talk. I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm super happy that we could make this happen. And thanks for having me again, dude. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. And for listeners, we're going to have a link to the EP and the Zombie Creek material in the episode notes. So go have a look there. Anders, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Alexi.